Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. Mark chapter 10, and we're going to start reading in verse 17. And it says, uh, it, uh, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him and he knelt down and he asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone and honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I have obeyed all these things since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Isn't that amazing? There is still one thing you don't have, Jesus told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. Anybody got some empathy for that, right? He went away sad for he had many possessions. Now, Jesus looked around and said to His disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now jump over, we're gonna pick it up in verse 28. Then then Peter began to speak up. We have given up everything to follow you, Peter said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and property along with persecution. That's that's just great. That's not the icing I was looking for on my cake. Anybody else out there? Oh, great, lots of houses and persecution, excellent. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. Um, I, I wanna talk to you about this passage because I feel like if we just close out the series having only talked about porn and sexuality and following God, and uh, we might just miss the crux of what are going to be decisions that everybody hearing this message at some point in their journey is going to have to make. Our five o'clock service has got a lot of people under the age of 30. In fact, last week, uh, Cy Rogers said, everybody under under the age of 30, please stand up. And I felt like the odd one out. I felt like reverse peer pressure was coming my way, you know. I was all alone in a world of under 30s. And, um, you know, as, as we're exploring this message and talking about the sex series, and by the way, for anybody who wasn't in church this morning, I really want to stir you to get the message. Um, we talked this morning about porn kills love, and it is a message that everybody in our church has got to listen to. You need to hear it because it'll change your life. But in our passage of Scripture tonight, um, we've got this rich young ruler, and the Bible tells us that he comes to Jesus and he knows that in his life something is missing. He comes running up to Jesus. Jesus has already left Jerusalem. So that's the guy's home. 
So this guy has been watching Jesus. He's been observing Jesus. He's been listening to his sermons. Something's going on on the inside of him. Have you ever had that feeling like God is stirring something in you? There's, there's a response to him that you have to make. And he hasn't had the courage to make it, but he knows that he must. And so Jesus leaves and, and, and he realizes that Jesus has already quit town and he's moved on. So he, he boosts it and he, he runs up to Jesus. And when he gets to him, the Bible says that he, he, he falls on his knees. He comes running and then he falls on his knees. And then the next thing that this guy says, he touches on a, on a fundamental question. He says, good teacher, good teacher. Um, he's saying, there's something missing in my life. And I know that I need to figure it out. I recognize my desperate situation. Something has got to change. But as he invites Jesus in to give him counsel on the subject, he limits the gate through which Jesus is allowed to enter. He doesn't say, God, King, Lord. He goes, Good teacher, good teacher. What must I do to find your life, eternal life? He's saying, I have something missing in my life and I've got to fix this. I'm, I'm awakened, I'm awakened. I recognize that there is more to this life that I am living than what I have right now. And let's get real, he is a rich, young ruler. If there are three coveted things in our world today, it is riches, fame, and youth. And this guy has all three. This is pre-Botox, this is pre, you know, pre-dealing with the wrinkles. That's my stage of life now, you know, adapting to changes. He's got popularity, he's got a million Instagram followers. And he's got money for Africa. And the Bible's saying that even with all of that, something's crying out in his heart. I need more and I need more. And, and listen, if you're here tonight and on the outward, people would look at you and say, you've got life sorted and you've got what, what you should have, but you feel this void in you that, no matter what you've got and how popular you might be, still something gnaws away on the inside of you. You are not alone, my friend. Because here we find it in the rich young ruler, and I'm sure a lot of people in this room would signify that they've had it. That feeling like, I've got to get more to this life than just, than just goods and stuff. It's, it's an awakening in our lives that leads us towards God, that, that, that hole in our heart that can only be filled by Him. So the rich young ruler is saying, okay, all right, I, I, I know I need something. So let me try this, good teacher. I'm opening to you just a little bit. What have I got to do to inherit eternal life? And I reckon a lot of times in our culture, people come to God like that. They come to God and they're like, good teacher or gentle Jesus. Or, or loving Savior. 
right? And, and, and they're trying to just control the degree to which we allow God in. The rich young ruler is afraid to go all in. He's afraid to admit who Jesus really is and he's afraid to give Jesus that central place that he deserves in, in our lives. And, and our willingness to allow Jesus fully into our lives, into our hearts. Hey, listen, let's just get real about it. Our willingness to allow Jesus to have central control over us and our lives. And hear me tonight, over all things to do with sexuality in our lives. That, that's, that's central to this whole series. And so Jesus calls us, calls them out on it. He says, hang on a minute, good teacher. Why do you call me good? There is only one who is good, and that's God. And you know, I guess what Jesus is fundamentally gonna ask of you and me, not just once, but certainly there will come a moment where He will say, what kind of a relationship do we have? Christianity is not an involuntary relationship. It's not forced on us. God doesn't do that. What makes us so amazingly loved and blessed and free is that we get to choose how much we let Him in. But Jesus is reciprocating to the limited access that He's given. And He's saying, to the degree that you allow me in is the degree to which I can help. And team, when we're thinking about this series, you know, we've got to ask ourselves, what kind of a relationship with God do we want to have? And what kind of freedom are we willing to give God? And that's a question that I feel like God is absolutely asking of every single one of us in this room tonight. He's saying, what kind of relationship do we have? And what kind of freedom are you giving me? What is the basis of your relationship with me? Isn't that what God asks of us? He's saying, am I good? Or am I God? And guys, I believe that that's the bottom of it all. That's the central challenge that God's got for us. Is He good? Or is He God? Is He gentle Jesus? Or is He King of all? Is He allowed for a heartwarming expression? You know, is He a moral teacher that can maybe guide us in a certain direction? Or is He one to whom we not only cry out to for solutions, but to whom we bow the knee in Lordship and surrender? That's the crux of the question. Because when I think about it, and I look around this auditorium, and I know who's in the other rooms around this room this evening, you're all sitting there, and you're all wearing the latest labels, and you know, you got your, you got your shoes, you know, from Foot Locker, and you know, we all came here with an iPhone. You, you know, you're not, we're not poor in this room tonight. I mean, we'd all like to claim that we'd love to have more, but at the end of the day, you probably chose what you eat for lunch. You're not poor, you're rich. And many people in this room, in fact, most of us are either young or still think we are, right? I'm in the, I'm in the latter camp, but I'm, I'm hanging in there, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
And we, we have more freedom offered to us than any other generation in the world before. So if we want to put it this way, I think we've just got to say, we are the rich young ruler. And so therefore, if we are the rich young ruler, then this question, why are you calling me good? Is gotta be the crux of our dilemma as well, right? When we're trying to think about these issues, and we are, man, we're here tonight to talk about God in relationship to a series that is talking about sex and all things sexual. The crux of our conversation is what kind of relationship do we have with God and what level of influence do we give Him? Is He a moral teacher to whom we give credence or is He our God that we worship and to whom we surrender? Or we could put it another way and this is where we get tonight's title from, are we of the culture but we call ourselves Christians? Or are we in it, the culture, as Sai said last week, but not of it? And let's be clear, the kind of Christian God wants you and I to be is the kind of Christian that's in it, but not of it. Not a Christian who allows Jesus in to the degree to which our Christian experience gives us heartwarming feelings, right? I mean, people get sent to our church to get heartwarming feelings by friends, counselors, loved ones. are like, man, if you're low, you need to go to that Arise. You need to get in that place because the songs are awesome and the people are friendly and the experience is uplifting. There's a lot of reasons why you wanna be around this Christian thing that don't ever bring you face to face with the, the central question of this Christian thing. And that is, is Jesus good or is He God? Are you, are you in the culture but calling yourself a Christian or are you in it but not of it? Right. Hebrews tells us that we are to think of ourselves as aliens and strangers here on earth. In other words, we're in it, but we're not of it. This might be where we are right now, but this is not our home. These rules are not our rules. These cultural messages are not our messages. Your values are not my values. Your ideology is not my ideology. I am a citizen of heaven. I have a Lord and His name is Jesus. And I belong fundamentally to God. Come on, is there anybody out there saying that's me tonight? Um, what's, what matters most? What's at the top? So Jesus says, what, why are you calling me good? What are you doing with that? No one's good, but God, what role do I play? And I really believe that in every heart hearing this message tonight, that's a question God's got for you. Who, who am I to you? And what role do I get to play? And then the cool thing about Jesus is He just segues. And we're going to do that too, just to lighten things up for a little bit. Jesus is like, well, you know, that's a pretty heavy question. So let's segue. Let's kind of just park around it for a bit and we'll come back to it. And so he says, well, you know, uh, what about the commandments? You know, let's, let's check out how good, how good your good is. So then he's like, well, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Don't steal. 
don't, don't, don't testify falsely, don't cheat anybody, and honour your father and mother. He's saying if good is what you're looking for, then let's see whether good has gotten you what you want, you know? Because at the end of the day, we live in a world where everybody says they're good. <laughs> is that not true? I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a good person. The central, most common thread that people are going to present as, as kind of like, you know, uh, an opposing view to the Christian way of thinking is to say, well, I'm a good person. Why would God not let me into heaven? And I'll tell you why. That's because good always finds a stop point. And the stop point is where good inconveniences self. And God will not allow people to feel like they've got life sorted out if they're still fundamentally living in a way that is just pleasing centrally to them. Because if you're doing that, you are hurting somebody else at some point. So he says, well, let's, let's look at it. You know, let's look at it. Is this the source of your problem, big guy? Are these the areas that are challenging you? You know, you're doing okay with these, you know, human to human relationships? Had an adulterous affair lately? Murdered anybody in the last week? You know, like he's, he's kind of doing a little diagnostic head check on this guy. And the rich young ruler who is desperate enough to fall on his knees before Jesus, he does want to change. He finds himself admitting, I've tried all that. I've, I've tried all that. And still, I don't, I don't feel like I've got the answer. And now Jesus goes, ah. So what you're telling me is that good's not enough. And, and I, I have a feeling like it's the same for every one of us, don't you? Like we have to come to a point in our lives where we admit that maybe, maybe, we're struggling in our lives because we've been guarding how much we allow Jesus into. And we need to come to a point where we realize that our church experience is never going to cut it. Our Christian culture is not going to close the gap. It's not, it's not going to fix the problem. It's not going to be the solution that we so desperately need. And so then the Bible says that... Uh, Jesus does the most remarkable thing. In verse 21, the Bible tells us, Jesus felt genuine love for him. He looked at him and he felt genuine love for him. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that we serve a God who loves us. And even when we aren't hearing him tell us what we want us, what we want to hear, that our God is still willing to look at us, love us, and tell us what we need to hear. Anybody grateful for that? Anybody in this room or these rooms ever had a piece of spinach, spinach stuck in one of your front teeth after a meal? Anybody ever had that? Okay, for all the bros out there in the room, you ever walked out of a bathroom and forgot to, you know, zip up that fly, you know what I mean? And you're now walking around uh, 
and the breeze is flowing. You, you, you know what I'm talking about? Like, the last thing I want if I've got spinach in my tooth or my fly down is to have the kind of friends who are walking up to me and going, yeah, great. You're not a friend to me. I don't need somebody leaving me in my predicament. I want somebody who when there is something wrong with me and I need to hear something that I don't wanna hear, I want the kind of friend that's gonna get up in my grill and be a good enough friend to tell me straight, not what I want to hear, but what I need to hear. And I want you to know tonight that you don't serve a God who's just gonna give you little warm coddles, who's gonna just speak words of comfort over you while you're making erroneous decisions. We don't serve a God who's gonna go, yeah, that's awesome, while you're taking yourself in a harmful direction, man. We serve the kind of God who loves people enough that whether a culture says it's good or bad, whether your friends tell you it's good or bad, God ain't gonna tell you what you want to hear. God's gonna tell you what you need to hear. Anybody grateful that you serve that kind of God? Come on. I want people who love me enough to tell me the truth. Are you with me? Something that we gotta get straight about God team is that our God loves us with a perfect love. He won't always tell you what you want, but He will tell you what you need. And he looks at this rich, young ruler who on the outside, we would be like, I want that guy to be my friend. Here's my Instagram account. How about you follow me back? You know what I'm saying? That's the kind of guy that this guy is. We want him to be part of our clique, our posse, our circle. And Jesus looks at him and he says, hey, when I'm looking at you, I'm not trying to take from you. I'm trying to love you. And because I love you, let me tell you what's ruining your life. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then you come and follow me. And then you'll have what you so desperately seek. Relax. I'm not telling you to go walk out of this room and tell you to sell everything that you have. And most of you are so young that it would take you five minutes and the most expensive thing would be a laptop, right? God doesn't have a problem with any person having things. This is the only time in the Bible where Jesus ever said, sell everything you have. It doesn't apply to all of Scripture. There are many other people Jesus interacted with who were exceptionally wealthy in the Bible that He never gave the same command to. He doesn't have a problem with you having things, but let me tell you something right now. He has a real problem with things having you. He will get up in your grill. He will get up in my grill and He will challenge us about anything that He feels is getting too central in our lives that it begins to compete with a total surrender to Him. Because we need to get it straight tonight that our Jesus is not just a meek and mild baby in a manger and He is not just gentle Jesus, and He's not just a loving Savior. Our Jesus 
is best described perhaps as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We don't just come to Him to get our ego stroked. We don't just come to Him to get our encouragement for the morning of the day. We come to Him and we surrender. We come to Him and we bow. We come to Him and we admit that He is Lord of all and He is deserving of my all. Do you believe that today? And, 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 and it's so crucial for you and I that we realize that God is going to come to us and challenge us sometimes. We live in, we live in a world um, that we're going to have to follow God in where the message that you're going to receive is going to sound something like, if it feels good, do it. If there are two consenting adults, then everything's okay. But let's just get it real clear, right? That as a Christian, at some point, that's going to come to a rub. God isn't going to allow you to do whatever you want. No. And if it makes people happy, happy, but it's out of line with His word and will, then let's get it clear, He's going to challenge that. So to be a follower of Jesus means, if we're being honest, that we're going to find ourselves sometimes with appetites, desires, interests, and opportunities that God is not going to allow us to pursue. We might want it. The opportunity might even be there. But God is going to say no. A friend might even tell you, and our culture might even think, that's all right. You, you should go after that. But there will be things that we want to which God does say no. There will be things that we're trying to do that we think will make us happy. And God's going to say, that's not my will for you. That's not my desire for you. Jesus looks at this rich young ruler and this is what He says. He says, you know, if you want to have eternal life, then you take what you have, you sell it, and then you come follow me. And the Bible tells us that the rich young ruler opts out at that moment. And let's just be clear, this is not the only time in Jesus' ministry where people were like, that's too much, I'm out of here, right? So if we're going to be a real follower of Jesus, we're going to have to consider that. I mean, I'm not trying to be heavy tonight, but I do want to make sure that we're not presenting, you know, just a half a message in this. Let's get this really clear that there are going to be moments where we're going to have to realize that Jesus is going to lay this challenge on us and the guy disappears. He walks away, exits the story of the Bible, and we never even get to know his name because he had a shot at it and he said no to it. And everybody at that moment is like, whoa. You can imagine the crowd, right? I mean, the Bible, if you, we, we skipped it out, but the, the crowd in this passage are literally like, what is going on? 
what is Jesus on about? This is the craziest challenge. This is absolutely fun, crazy stuff that Jesus has put out there. What it means to follow Jesus, team, is it means that you and I have got to have a willingness to open up our lives fully and completely to the one who loves us with the perfect love and to say to him, I don't understand. I would like this. You are saying to me, no. And I choose to follow you. If you want to follow Jesus for all of your life, you need to rehearse that. Be willing for that. Be willing to say to Jesus, I'm going to give my all to you. There's a passage of scripture that means a lot to me and, and, and honestly a passage that visits me, visits me all the time in my life because there are many things that other people can do and they're Christians. So I'm not even talking about outside of the confines of our Christian morality, but because God, I feel, has put His hand on my life for a special purpose. He's always called me to a unique standard that applies to me. It's just John. It's not something I need to preach to you. It's just something He challenges me on. And even within the confines of that, I look, I look at other people and I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to point at anybody, but I'm like, well, how come they get to do that? And how come they live like that? And how come they get to, they get to do that? And, and God, time and time again, takes me to John chapter 21, where after His death and resurrection, Jesus is having a conversation with the apostle Peter. And while Jesus is talking to Peter, John, the other the apostle John, and a bunch of the other apostles are kind of lounging around, and they're, they're over here in the conversation. And Jesus says to Peter, basically, Peter, you're going to follow me, you're going to testify of me, and one day, Peter, you are going to die for me. Not, nat not a natural death, you will be killed for your faith. So Peter does what I would do in that situation. He looks at the nearest person next to him, who's like a brother to him, you know what I mean? And, and I can just imagine our staff doing this amongst them. I'm staying for back down. What, 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 you know, like, and, and, and uh, here we go, Peter, right? And Peter turns to John, because he's the next other favorite. And he's like, well, well, what about him? Does he have to die? I mean, it's gotta be equality, right? Right? If they can do it, why can't I do it? And this is what Jesus said to Peter. What is that to you? What is that to you? Jesus is saying to Peter, are you following John? Or are you following me? Did you just surrender to what I asked of John? Or did you surrender to what I asked of you? And team, this is the crux of this whole series, isn't it? Is to say, guys, there are seasons where walking with God, following Jesus is not going to make you happy. 
There are seasons following Jesus where it isn't going to be fun. Yay! There are moments when obeying Jesus and giving your all to Him is going to mean going against the flow of what other people would say you should be doing, what mainstream people might be saying is what you should do. It means obeying Jesus more than popular opinion. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And you know, you know we're going to find ourselves at times where like someone else is married, but we aren't. And we're like, well, what about that? Or maybe when you, this is why you've got to start young, by the way, saying, I will give everything I have to you, Jesus, because some people find themselves married. And then when they get married, it isn't all fireworks and flowers. Someone can be married, feel that their marriage has got no passion and really have this growing affection for somebody over here. And your cultural message and every drama TV program is gonna tell you, well, if that's a loveless relationship, then go after that one. And Jesus flat out is gonna say no. That's what He's gonna say. There's gonna be times when you know, you're, you're, you're not married, but you really would like to have a sexual experience. Or when we have attractions in our lives and they don't line up with the allowed parameters of God's Word. And God answered to us when we attempt to compare ourselves with other people and say, well, they're happy and they're happy and they got what they wanted and they got what they wanted. God's going to say the same thing to us as He said to Peter. He's going to say, well, what's that to you? I didn't ask you to follow John, and I didn't ask you to aim for the same happiness as Sarah. I asked you to follow me. And guys, as we bring this whole series to a close, can I give you this in a nutshell? God is simply saying to you and me, He's saying it is time for us to not decide to follow popular opinion or the desires of our lives. It is time for us to follow wholly and completely our Lord and our Saviour and His name is Jesus, right? Come on. Because listen, here's the end of the story. The Bible tells us that the rich young ruler walks away and disappears. And after he goes, as the band come and join me on every stage right now, after he disappears and everybody is like in that moment of like, what just happened? Jesus could have had a contributor to his ministry if he had just said, well, give me a little bit of what you've got, but you know, come follow me and I reckon your life will be better. And Jesus says, no, I'm not here to exploit you. I'm here to love you. I want you to know that God is the only one in all the world who isn't trying to rip you off by giving you what you want to hear so that it benefits you. He's the one who's, so that it benefits somebody else. He is the only one Say. What I tell you is not to benefit anyone, it's only to benefit you. And if you don't wanna know you got spinach in your teeth, or you don't wanna know that your fly is down, I'm here to tell you that you need to hear this because I've got a pathway of life for you. I've got a pathway of life for you. 
So everybody's gone and everything is still and we've got just the disciples and a crowd and we've got, we've got, we've got, the, the, we've got the people and, and the rich young ruler has exited the page and the Bible tells us that Peter speaks up. Peter, who had a fishing business. And Jesus walked up to him and said, come follow me. Peter threw down his nets, walked away from a thriving business to follow Jesus. Walked away from his home to follow Jesus. Walked away from his investments to follow Jesus. And Peter says, I left everything to follow you. Following Jesus does absolutely mean that there are gonna be moments in our lives where we are gonna have to make a choice between doing what we want and doing what God wants. Between what's easy in the now and what's gonna bless our lives in the future. And I'm so grateful for Peter, and I reckon I might be speaking to a lot of Peters in this room this evening, in these rooms, because Peter left everything to follow Jesus, and now, once all of the calm is finally, once all of the, the, the conversation has died down, and there's just this, this mute moment, Peter says, I left everything to follow you. And Jesus says, well, listen, let me tell you this, Pete. My plan was never to destroy your life. You will never know what's on the other side of your obedience, guys, until you obey. You will never know what lies around the corner with God unless you're willing to follow Him no matter what corner He calls you around. We don't serve a God who's in the business of taking. We don't serve a God who is hateful. We don't serve a God who is vengeful or withholding. We serve a God of love, perfect love, of abundant blessing, a Father in heaven who's got a great plan for our lives. And He calls us to follow Him. And man, there might be turns and there might be junctions where we're fighting our own desire to do the will of God. But I promise you this, as Jesus promised Peter, anybody who is willing to put Jesus first in every area of their lives is gonna find their life way better than they ever imagined that it could be. I have come, Jesus said, that you may have life and life in all its fullness. And if you believe it, could you give God some praise in this room and these rooms right now? listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.